Welcome back to Proverbs 910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Rose Spiller and Chris Paxson. We're in the middle of a series entitled Women in Scripture. In the last episode, we looked at two sisters, Mary and Martha. In this episode, we are going to begin a two-part series delving into Mary, the mother of Jesus. Rose, we should start with a disclaimer that this episode will probably step on a lot of toes. It probably will. And I think it's important, especially for this episode, for us to say that we don't intentionally set out to offend anyone, but we're passionate about presenting God's truth in Scripture. That's why we do our due diligence, researching commentary from credible scholars, and always making sure there are multiple verses of Scripture that back up everything we teach. Sometimes we don't always present that backup scripture to you guys, but rest assured, we've made sure in our research and in our study that it's there. We sure do make sure it is. And sadly, Rose, there are a lot of teachings and beliefs out there that don't coincide with scripture. It can be painful to learn something that you've believed for a long time to be true isn't biblical. But realizing it and learning what the Bible actually says is all part of our growth. We will give you the roots of where some of the incorrect beliefs we're going to present come from. But if you're curious to learn more, we encourage you to listen to episodes two and three of this podcast. Okay, that's the end of our disclaimer. Right, back to Mary. You know, Chris, I personally think Mary's one of the most wrongly treated people in the whole Bible. On the one hand, there's the Catholic Church and many Lutheran churches who put Mary on the same level as Jesus. They even have a Mary doctrine, which says, among other things, that Mary was a perpetual virgin, meaning that even after Jesus' birth, she never had sex with Joseph, so they had no other children. And it also says she never experienced death, but was instead assumed up into heaven. This is what the Catholic Church celebrates on Assumption Thursday. They also believe that Mary was not born with a sin nature like the rest of us. They believe she was given a dispensation of grace from the fall, or original sin, So like Jesus, she had the ability to not sin. And also like Jesus, she didn't sin. Because of her divine status, she is prayed to as an intercessor between us and Jesus. She's often referred to as the Holy Mother. Chris, are some of these things attributed to Mary accurate? Are some false? Or even worse, are some heresy? We're going to find out. We are. And on the Protestant side of this, except for, as we said, many Lutheran churches, Mary is rarely talked about except at Christmas. And even then, she's often reduced to just a vessel used by God to birth his son. We can all picture the Christmas scenes where Mary's main contribution is wrapping Jesus in her shawl and staring down at him lovingly and smiling at all who come to worship him. Is there more to her than that? Has she been treated unfairly? Is there something we can learn from her? We're going to answer those questions too. We sure are. So why don't we start with the Catholic and Lutheran Church's beliefs about Mary and compare them to what Scripture says. The difference in the view of Mary between the Catholic and most Protestant churches may be based on how you define one word from Mary's Magnificat. This is the prayer Mary breaks into after she visits her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. We're going to talk more about Mary's Magnificat later, but the word that you're talking about, Rose, is the word found in Luke 1, 48. Mary says, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. The word in question that we're talking about is the word blessed. Blessed has two meanings and two pronunciations. 
Protestants pronounce it blessed and understand the definition to be endowed with divine favor and protection. This is how Protestants understand all the blessings from the Lord. God is showering his people with divine favor. Being blessed by God could mean he gives you material things. It could mean he's refining you spiritually or could be both. Being blessed also means that God is protecting his people. This is always spiritually, but sometimes could also include physically. And on the other hand, Catholicism and Lutheranism pronounce it blessed and use the definition of revered, consecrated, and honored in worship. In other words, one so high above and set apart from the rest of us that they deserve our reverence and our worship. Using this definition, it's understandable why the Catholic Church worships Mary, prays to her, and puts her on the same level as Jesus. But is this the right definition? Chris, how can we know which definition we should use? Well, as we often say, we can start by looking at other scripture. Scripture always needs to be interpreted by other scripture. So let's start with the Ten Commandments that are found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. The first two commandments say, You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. These are the first two commandments as Protestants know them, and they're directly out of Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. But did you know that the Catholic Church and the Lutheran churches have eliminated the second commandment? They just skip over it? So if they skip over it, how do they still have 10 commandments? Yep, they skip over it. But they do still have 10. What they do is in place of the eliminated second commandment, they split the last commandment, which we know as you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. What they do is they list this one commandment as two. They split it into nine and ten. Nine is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And ten is you shall not covet your neighbor's property. And if you're wondering why they would eliminate one commandment, the answer is that the Roman Catholic Church and many Lutheran churches claim that they follow the version of the Ten Commandments established by Augustine in the fourth century. We don't know if Augustine actually did rewrite the commandments. But even if he did, it would be man's word against God's word. And we cannot reiterate enough that nothing can usurp the word of God. Exactly. And Exodus and Deuteronomy are crystal clear on the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. In other words, you can't worship anyone other than the one true God. And Chris, this also includes praying to statues or medals of Mary, saints, angels, or praying to people who have died, as the Catholic and Lutherans do sometimes. The website teachingtheword.org says this, The Vatican must maintain the fiction of the Revisionist Ten Commandments in order to perpetuate its extensive idolatry. Rome commands its faithful to bow before statues and crucifixes, light candles, burn incense, and pray to the dead. Rome commands veneration of the host, the wafer which it claims a priest turns into the body of Christ by incantation. The Latin words the priest uses are hocus corpus, 
from which the magician's incantation Hocus Pocus is derived. Wow. (laughs) That's unbelievable. I didn't even know that until we did research for this. Me either. And I wonder how many of you listening didn't know that either. So how about the question whether it's okay to call Mary Holy Mother? I think we've probably answered this question, but there is scripture that deals with this exactly. Matthew 23, 9 says, And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. You know, this verse sometimes gets misinterpreted. God doesn't mean don't call your earthly dad father. He means you're not to think of anyone else as the holy father. In other words, don't put anyone on the same level as God, which brings us right back to the first and second commandment. Right. So to think God would be okay or even condone having Mary on the level that the Catholic and Lutheran churches have put her is incomprehensible. To think God would choose someone who was faithfully following him and turn them into an object of sin is heresy at its worst. So Rose, we need to answer the questions, is Mary on the same level as Jesus? Is it okay to pray to Mary or any of the saints? And is it okay to call Mary Holy Mother, with a resounding no. Absolutely no. Absolutely no. So that leaves us with the other questions. Did Mary live a sinless life? Did she have other children? And is it true that she never experienced death, but was instead assumed up into heaven? Well, Mary herself answers the first question for us. If we go back to her Magnificat, in the first line she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary was a Jewish girl. She knew the Old Testament law. If she had been sinless, she would know that she was already saved. And if she was saved, why is she calling on God as her Savior? Besides there being absolutely nothing in Scripture that says anyone other than Adam and Eve and Jesus were born without a sin nature, Mary herself tells us that she needed God to save her. Why? Because she was a sinner just like the rest of us. And the next question as to whether she never had sex with Joseph, so she never had any children, can be answered pretty definitely also just by looking at Matthew 12, 46 to 50, which says, while he, Jesus, was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Those who believe Mary was a virgin all her life will argue that the brothers that were with Mary were not biological brothers. They were either spiritual brothers or stepbrothers, which means that they theorized that Joseph was a widower before he married Mary. As far as Joseph being a widower with children from a previous marriage, there's absolutely nothing in Scripture that gives evidence for this. This belief is based on a tradition by the Catholic Church with the help of some pseudographical books. Those are books that were written to imitate Scripture but have been proven fake. And as far as his brothers being spiritual brothers, this is just nonsensical. Jesus is saying it's not those who are biologically related to him who are my brothers, but the ones who belong to God a.k.a. those spiritually related to him and adopted into the family of God. His narrative here in Matthew would make no sense at all if the men with Mary were already his spiritual brothers. That's right. I never thought about that before, but that is exactly right. And also, if we turn to Galatians 1, Paul calls James the Lord's brother. 
James is Jesus' biological brother. Nowhere does Paul call Peter or any of the other apostles the Lord's brothers. Right. So, Chris, on to the last question about whether Mary physically died or was assumed up into heaven. This one's not quite as crystal clear. The prophet Elijah was assumed into heaven without experiencing death. This event's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 2. So there is precedence. Mary's assumption is something the Catholic Church first declared in 966, but it wasn't adopted as part of their Mary doctrine until 1950 under Pope Pius XII. There is absolutely nothing in scripture or any historical records to suggest this ever occurred. Again, when we're not sure about something, we need to revert back to what the Bible says or doesn't say, and not just rely on church tradition, especially one that wasn't introduced until almost a thousand years after the supposed event happened and wasn't adopted until an additional 1,000 years later. So we have to say that no, Mary was not assumed into heaven. We do. And now that we've dispelled some mistruths about Mary, let's start looking at some truths. Let's start at where we first meet her in scripture. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to Nazareth, to a city in Galilee, to find, according to Luke 1.27, a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Rose, this is important. It says Joseph was from the house of David. If we go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, God made a covenant with King David that David's kingship would continue, culminating in a king whose reign would last forever, obviously pointing to Jesus. Luke shows us that Joseph is from the line of David, and even though he wasn't Jesus' biological father, his lineage would have transferred to Jesus. Joseph's genealogy is listed in Matthew chapter 1. But what some people may not realize is that Mary is also a descendant of David. So Jesus did have the actual bloodline of David. Mary's genealogy is found in Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 23. So Mary and Joseph's bloodline fit the bill for them to be candidates to be Jesus' parents. When Gabriel appears to Mary, he says to her in Luke 1:28, Do not be afraid. You know, we can only imagine how awesome and intimidating the appearance of angels or even a single angel must have been. After almost every one of their appearances in scripture, they immediately say to their audience, don't be afraid or get up. Probably because people fell on their faces in fear. I know. It's so funny. We think of little cherubs floating on clouds. <laughs> but you're right. They do say, don't be afraid. That's one of the main things. But after Gabriel says, do not be afraid, he tells Mary that she has found favor with God and he goes on to tell her how she will conceive the Son of God. You know, when we talk about this, especially at Christmas, we give Mary props for bravely going forward with God's plan despite the fact that if Joseph had publicly divorced her for being pregnant, that she would have been stoned to death. And just a side note that many of you probably already know, Mary and Joseph's betrothal was not an engagement like we know it. It was just as binding as a marriage. It was basically a marriage without the physical intimacy. That would have come once the marriage was made official. So that's why breaking a betrothal required a divorce. Right. And your betrothed being pregnant with a child that wasn't yours was definitely grounds for divorce. And as we said, she would have been stoned, which was why Joseph was going to divorce her quietly. He was hoping to avoid that happening to her. But I think this discussion about her willingness to go along with God's plan is incomplete and incorrect. Nowhere in scripture does Gabriel ask, is it okay with you, Mary? Or are you willing to do this, Mary? Instead, 
He tells her, here's God's plan and here's how you fit into it. That's a great point, Chris. And while we can admire her faith that she accepted her situation rather than doubt it like Zachariah did earlier in Luke chapter 1, this was forced on her for lack of a better word. Mary didn't have foresight. She had no idea how this would turn out for her. She just knew God was calling her to carry a baby divinely conceived when she wasn't married. She trusted God because she was a faithful follower, but she had no choice in the situation. God chose her to fulfill his plan. The fact that Mary was a faithful follower of God, along with her and Joseph's bloodline, were two good reasons for God choosing her. But there were probably other women that would have fit the bill. God chose Mary because he chose her. As with every other person in the Bible that we see God use, some who are decent, faithful people and some who are real scoundrels, they are all chosen because it pleases God to choose them, not for any other reason. It's never about who the person God chooses is. It's all about what God does through that person. Exactly right. And after she's told what will transpire, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was having a miracle baby of her own, John the Baptist. God is so gracious, and he gives Mary some encouragement. In Luke 1, verses 41 to 42, it says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Think about this. Mary was 14. At this point, she was dealing with her pregnancy all alone and facing divorce from Joseph. She went to see Elizabeth because she would be the one person who might understand. Elizabeth does not just give her understanding. Prompted by the Holy Spirit, she confirms everything the angel had told Mary. And just a note, Elizabeth saying that Mary was the most blessed among women is her acknowledging the incredible honor that God has favored on Mary in letting her carry the Son of God. Mary, who was grateful for God giving her comfort and encouragement through Elizabeth, breaks out in her Magnificat that we mentioned earlier. It's a beautiful prayer and praise to God showing Mary's faith. It begins with, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. If you've never read it, we encourage you to do that. It's found in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 46. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. If you do the math, she would have stayed until after John was born. But shortly after, she returns to Nazareth. Sadly, though, we're going to have to leave Mary on her journey back home for now, as we've run out of time for today. We have. So please join us for the next episode as we finish looking at Mary, who, although she was not equal to Jesus, was a pretty amazing woman nonetheless. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and are enjoying our Women in Scripture series. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to so you won't miss an episode. And you can check out our website, www.proverbs910ministries.com, to get updated on all things Proverbs 910 Ministries. Have a blessed day.